Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Our first primetime game of the year. Last year, we didn't really have too many of these. I think we only played once on Thursday night. This year, we have about four primetime games, I want to say, starting with this Monday night game against the Baltimore Ravens. Very good Ravens team as the Colts come in at 1-3. and three. The Ravens are sitting at 3-1, and one, and the AFC North is loaded. You have three 3-1 three and one teams, and then the Steelers sitting at 1-3. and three. So it's a talented division. We struggled with this division last year. We lost this game to the Ravens. We lost to the Steelers, as we always do. We lost to the Browns, and we had to come back and make a crazy comeback to beat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. So we went 1-3 and three against this division last year. This year, we'll only see the Baltimore Ravens from the north. It's going to be a tough matchup. Obviously, a lot of history. Colts coming from Baltimore in 83. Jason and I go back. We have Baltimore roots via our fandom to the days in Baltimore. Me through my dad, Jason through living in Maryland, and his father as well. So we both go back. There's a lot of history there. Monday night game, prime time, under the lights, ESPN. Unfortunately, no Manning cast. I really wanted to see Peyton Manning talk about this team and get the Manning cast, but they're taking a couple weeks off, so unfortunately, we miss them. But big game, Jason, big test as we see a playoff-caliber Ravens team. They've been in the playoffs each of the first three seasons. Lamar Jackson's been in the league. I assume and anticipate them getting back to the postseason this year, and they're obviously off to a great start, sitting at 3-1. and one. Yeah, and they're starting to hit their stride. I mean, they've they've got a lot of injuries, but they they find a way to fill in for those guys. They're, they're, I think they've had three starting or three running backs go down for the season, and they picked up three guys. And they and, and you know you got Lamar. Listen, the Ravens are always a fun game, just for me personally because of the history and all that. And I've got a lot of friends that are Raven fans, but it's always a tough game. They're very physical. I have a lot of respect for that team. A lot of respect for the coaching staff. And John Harbaugh, I think he does an outstanding job. So it's going to be a fun game, Monday night football. I think the Colts are going to come out and play tough. Whether that'll be good enough to win, I don't know. But it'll be a fun game. It's always interesting, you know, to see how they come out and play. They they generally play pretty well in road in road Monday night games or road night games, really. I mean, Kansas. You think about Kansas City, Tennessee, some Houston games. Uh, so it'll be interesting. And they've played a lot of these road games. So I think, uh, you know, r- road primetime games in the last few years. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the Colts come out. I think the difference in the, the game for me is just going to be, will we be able to contain Lamar Jackson? That's the, I mean, we, we, we did that last year in the first half and we, we had a lead. I think we had a, you know, forced to turnover and then we turned it right back over, but we did a really outstanding job on him. One of the best jobs I've seen done on him in the first half last year. So they're Kate, the Colts are capable of slowing him down. They've got to do it for 60 minutes and that's going to be a tall order. And that was the issue last year. We led 10, nothing at the half. We shut them out in the first half and then we got shut out in the second half and we lost the game 21, 10. So the definition of a tale of two halves last year starts with containing and slowing down Lamar Jackson. You're not going to shut him out. Although we did for half a game last year, we obviously saw them flip the switch. It was a totally different game in the second half, and the offense did the defense no favors. We didn't score, and we had that Jonathan Taylor fumble, and I think it was a scoop and score the other way for a touchdown, right, Jason? That Jonathan Taylor fumble, and it was his only fumble of the year, and it was seven points the other way. Yeah, that was seven for them, yeah. So that, again, to the defense's credit of the Colts, 
That's seven points out of the 21 the team let up. Seven of those points were not the defense's fault. That was a scooped score off the Jonathan Taylor fumble. And I think we had another turnover in that game that led to another one of their touchdowns on a short field. So last year, the defense did a good job. They're going to have to do another good job this week as we take a look at the Ravens offense. They're eighth in points per game. They're averaging 26.3 points per game. They've turned the ball over five times and they have given up 11 sacks as this Baltimore Ravens offense comes in led by former MVP quarterback Lamar Jackson. Obviously, dual threat. He could beat you with his arm. He could beat you with his legs. He's already hit the 1,000 passing yard mark, and he has four passing touchdowns to go along with it. And then on the ground, he's already nearing the 300 rushing yard mark, which is just insane to think about. As a quarterback, we are, what, a third of the way through the season, not even, and he's already nearing 300 rushing yards to go along with two rushing touchdowns, averaging 6.6 yards per rushing attempt. This Ravens offense is legit. They're top 10. They are eighth in points per game, and they are led by 2019 NFL MVP quarterback Lamar Jackson. Yeah, they do a solid job. Um, really, really, it's such a difference seeing their offense, and it's run really well. Greg Roman does an outstanding job running that offense as far as the play calling. Uh, it's very different from anything you're going to see. That's why the Colts started prepping for it in, in training camp. But, yeah, Lamar is an outstanding player. I, I think he's a better passer than people give him credit for. He, he can make some really incredible deep throws on the move. You know, he's got different arm angles and whatnot. So I, I think he's just a really good football player. You look at, the you know, the rest of their offense. They've got Latavius Murray, a good veteran player they picked up. Uh, he's leading the team in, in touchdowns, rushing three, tight end. Mark Andrews, really outstanding player, 18 receptions, 253 yards. Somebody you have to account for big part of their offense and then their deep threat this year is coming to his own Hollywood Brown 19 receptions 326 yards three touchdowns deep speed really really you know has been a game breaker for them this year the Colts have got to account for him they cannot let him get over the top because he will take he, he will go to the house with it um, he's really started to come into his own he's had some drops and some issues with drops in some of these games I think the Detroit game he had some drops but um, he made up for it with some big plays and and then outside of him you've got Sammy Watkins and you've got you know some other guys some young guys that are out there for them receiver wise that that can make plays to so the Colts I mean it really begins with with, with Lamar you've got to you've got to try to keep him contained within the pocket not let him get you know because he can go the thing with Lamar is he's not just a, a perimeter runner he can get in between the tackles too and, and he's so elusive and he's so fast so the, the defensive ends and, and the linebackers are going to have to be really disciplined in this game. I, and really, they should – Flus coached in college for 18 years. He saw a lot of different, you know, offensive systems. He saw this one a lot. Um, and I think that helped them prepare last year, and I think it's going to help them be prepared for this game. But, again, there's only one Lamar Jackson. So it's going uh, to be imperative that the defense is really disciplined this week and focused on fundamentals. And they've just got to good, do a good job tackling and keeping things in front of them because this guy's electric. I mean, they've got really two electric guys on offense and Brown and Jackson. But, I mean, Jackson's just a difference maker. He's such a special player and such an elite skill set. Uh, the Colts just have to come out and do their thing and be disciplined if they want to have a chance to win this game because Lamar Jackson can really make you pay in a lot of different ways. Absolutely, and that's where we start off with our keys to the game. Key number one, you already said it, contain Lamar Jackson. And I think back to the – and we actually 
We had a little bit of trouble with it early week one against Russell Wilson. I remember there was one third down that he picked up with his legs, and then they went on to score a touchdown that drive, and we had good pressure on him. But I felt like it affected us even more in the game against Tennessee. And Tannehill's an athletic quarterback. He's obviously no Lamar Jackson. But there was a couple of times where he was able to escape and he was able to pick up first downs, keep the chains moving, or not even pick up a first down, but pick up maybe six, seven yards when it should have been a loss of three. He turns it into a gain of six. And that was the difference because that week we had no mobility at the quarterback position from Carson Wentz. So Carson Wentz was on basically no ankles because he had the two sprains and they were much worse that week than last week against Miami and Tannehill was able to extend plays. So it's imperative that you're able to not only contain the edge with Lamar Jackson, but also keep a spy on him up the middle. Cause like you said, he's a great between the tackles runner. So you have to make sure you could just contain his legs all over the place in terms of running the football. And that, was an issue for us against Tannehill. You obviously prepare for it more when you go up against a quarterback like Lamar, but the execution is going to be key. You have to be able to contain Lamar, and that, of course, is key number one for our defense. Yeah, those bootlegs and, and those those really those plays that, that Tannehill made absolutely killed us. You're right. That's a great point. And I'll tell you right now, Luke, if if they if he gets if if Jackson gets that same space, it's not fifteen yards, it's sixty yards. Yep. So the Colts have to do a really good job of not biting on play action and staying home, whether that's Al Muhammad or Taekwon Lewis as defensive ends, you've got to be the, the the force point and keep that inside. You cannot let him get outside. If he gets outside it's 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 big time problems because he can go i mean he's dude he's a running back once he get once he starts running and he's i mean he's michael vick he's like a michael vick type guy he's got that type of speed he's very elusive great vision as a runner and he can i mean so i mean and we're just talking about him as a runner but i mean he can throw it too he's got a great arm so they've got to be prepared for everything it's not just containing him running the ball they've got to make sure they don't leave. They they can't be leaky on the back end in this game because he will. Th- I mean, he will throw it deep to Hollywood Brown. He has. I mean, and then then they've got Andrews is a great tight end. Uh, he hasn't really done a whole lot yet, but he's a great tight end. Watkins has played well, been solid for them as more of a possession type guy. So they they've got weapons on offense even with the injuries, and they're very well coached. Their offensive line has been a little bit leaky, but they were a bit better last week. You know, they're getting used to playing together. But, yeah, man, I mean, the keys to this game begins with with just you cannot let him, like Lamar Jackson, you you just can't let him have big plays. You've got to tackle him. You've got to gang tackle him. You've got to get people to the ball. You've got to stick your receivers and stay plastered to him. You just – because he can make so many things happen outside the pocket, and uh, he's just an elite, elite talent. So, yeah, containing him, you're not going to stop him. He's going to make plays. That's the way this league is. Playmakers make plays. He's going to make plays. But we have got to limit the the splash plays. If we can do that, we should be in this game. Absolutely. And that leads us right into key number two, limit big plays. You don't want to give up big plays, chunk plays. We've had issues with that this season, especially the first few weeks when we went up against Seattle, when we went up against Los Angeles with the Rams. We were giving up big plays, chunk plays downfield. We've done a little bit of a better job the last few weeks, especially against Miami. Before the end of the game, they did hit a couple big plays to Parker. The game was out of reach kind of at that point. But this defense, 
This Colts defense this year in comparison to last year has been much worse against big plays. You could attribute that to injuries and a multitude of different things. And we've been banged up on the backside, the secondary, the safeties, the corners throughout the course of the early portion of this season. But it doesn't matter. No excuses. You have to do a better job. No big plays, whether it's a run, whether it's a bootleg with Lamar getting out, getting in space, or hitting Hollywood Brown down the field on a long pass. You have to limit the big plays in this game. And Baltimore is a spark team. They like those big – like a lot of times when you watch them, you feel like you're watching a college the way you could – we saw it last year. We were shutting them down. We were shutting them out in the first half, and they were able to just explode a couple times in the second half. You have to limit the big plays, and that is key number two – Limit big plays. Yeah, you said it as well as you could say it, Luke. I mean, you just have to be able to communicate and limit those plays. I would add that, you know, last week I thought we got a lot of uh, – I don't know how many penalties we had, but we had some pass interference issues. Those, those to me, are, are big plays too. Uh, I count that in the big play range. I mean, I don't mind a pass interference if you're going to get beat for a touchdown. But last week I thought the Colts had really good position on some of those pass interference calls. And they didn't need to interfere. I thought the defensive backs really played much better last week. They were in good position, which is which was different from the first two weeks because they were, Jesus Christ, some of the times they weren't even on the screen. <laughs> um, they were they were tight in coverage last week, and uh, they just made some bad decisions, whether it was holding or uh, maybe a, a misstep by Isaiah Rogers on a deep route or something. Um, but they did a really good. I thought they did a really good job staying in coverage and being in the place that they needed to be to make a play. They just need to, like, Zave has got to get his hands off the receiver. I mean, that's always been an issue. And as a as a vet, when you start losing a step, you tend to be more grabby. So that's that's an it thing to keep an eye on. You don't want any, uh, you know, deep pass interference calls because, honestly, dude, it's it, it's basically a big play. So, I, I you know, you said all, all that needs to be said about as far as the actual, you know, plays and whatnot. I, I would talk about just – keeping the pen penalties to a minimum, no, no deep pass interferences, you know, just be in position, play the ball, not the man. And, uh, you know, just get your head back and, and try not to be so handsy this week. They were definitely, uh, they were hand, there's a lot of hand fighting with Zabe last week. He's got to do better with that. He's got to get the hands off the receiver, but as far as, you know, just the overall key, it's absolutely, you know, limit the big plays, make them go the long route. You know, that's the best way to stay in this game because it can get out of hand if you start giving up big plays. You saw that in the in the, uh, in the opening game against Seattle, but I think we're a little further along defensively now. So hopefully that won't be an issue. But that's definitely a key with this team because, you like you said, they can just – I mean, they could be three and out, three and out, and then 70-yard touchdown, 70-yard touchdown, 70-yard touchdown. So you have to be – discipline and you have to stay focused for 60 minutes because if you're not if you take one playoff it's it could be 80 yards to the house and key number three really wraps everything up because if you don't do key number three one and two are inevitable and that is win the battle up front control the line of scrimmage if you don't win the battle up front and you don't control the line of scrimmage that means more time for Lamar to dance around, more time for lanes to open up, more time for him to scramble, more time for receivers to create separation, and so on and so forth. So it all starts up front. Key number three, win the battle up front, win the line of scrimmage, control the line of scrimmage, so you could accomplish keys one and two. Yeah, this is simple. It's about physical football, reestablishing the line of scrimmage. The Ravens are a physical team, a running team. So you, the first thing you want to do, like we did last week, 
with a running team is reestablish the line of scrimmage, push it back a yard, push it back a yard and a half like Grover did last week. Grover was great last week. I thought he played an outstanding game, was big in the middle for them. Everything is is the, the most important part of a football team as far as far as defensively is is strength up the middle, and they played great last week in the middle. They need to do it again this week, push that line. Grover's got to have a big game. Buck's got to have a big game. That's so important when you're playing a running team is establishing – you know, reestablishing that line of scrimmage and making it easier for you to make plays, pushing their guys back, get them on their heels, uh, and attack. You want to be an attacking defense. So when you're pushing that, you know, line, when you're pushing that offensive line back and, and really reestablishing that line of scrimmage, it, it allows you to play fast downhill and make plays. And that's what the Colts want to do. So just on both, and we'll get into offense in a minute, but I think on both lines of scrimmage, it's going to be important to be physical uh, and to really, you know, it at the very least, have it be a stonewall, like an equal thing. Not a you, you can't get pushed back in this game. If they're able to start leaning on this defense and pushing downhill, it's going to be a long game because they will run and run and run and run until, you know, until we're dead tired on defense. So really just getting downhill, reestablishing that line of scrimmage, always huge, but especially big against running teams. Flipping over now to the Ravens defense, also a very good unit, 11th in points per game giving up 23 points per game. They forced four turnovers. They have 10 sacks. So you're looking at a team, the Baltimore Ravens, that is borderline top 10 defensively and top 10 offensively in points per game. I know a lot of people go by yards per game. I think points are more important, so we always go by that on the For the Culture podcast if you guys are curious about that because we've had a couple people say, oh, no, I thought they were blank, blank, blank. No, no, no. We go by points per game, not yards per game. When we talk about ranking. So they're 11th in points per game. 23 points per game. And they got a lot of playmakers. A lot of big names. Clays Campbell of course we know him well from his days in Jacksonville. Marlon Humphreys. Patrick Quinn. So it's a tough unit. It's a good unit. It's a good team. The whole roster. You know both sides of the ball is pretty stout. Pretty solid. And they are led by the multiple all pro former Jacksonville Jaguars. So we've gone up against them multiple times. And of course we won't have Quinn Nelson in this game who has given Campbell problems in the past, led by defensive end, defensive tackle, Clays Campbell. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've seen I, – I, I marked him down as, as, as a key because he's we've just seen him so many times, and he's such a damn good player, and he's 35 years old and still playing at a, such a high level. They've got a really, really good coordinator in Wink Martindale. He's very aggressive. I, I like him as a coach. I like watching his defenses play. Campbell's, you know, been really good this year. He's got 13 tackles, two tackles for loss, five QB hits. So he's he's making an impact. And he's, you know, he's doing what he always does. And the Colts absolutely have to account for him. Uh, then the other guys that I wanted to mention, uh, Patrick Queen, 27 tackles, two tackles for a loss, one sack. The rookie out of Penn State, Awe, 10 tackles, six quarterback hits, three tackles for a loss, two sacks. So he's making a big, big, big imprint on that defense coming from the outside linebacker spot. So we're going to have to do a good job on him. Fisher and, and Davenport, they're, I mean, they might have to help them because Awe is extremely athletic, might be the most athletic guy that was in the draft last year and uh, or excuse me, this year that, that was drafted. And so They've got to do a good job on him. He's he's really, I mean, probably been the best uh, edge player so far this year, honestly. He's made a big impact on their defense. And then, obviously, Marlon Humphrey's an all-pro. I mean, you'd have to know where he is. I don't think we're going to see a lot of passes that direction. Uh, they're missing Marcus Peters, who's 
a big time playmaker. So that helps the Colts. He's out for the year. So I think you'll see them go at their other corners. Um, they've got some other talented corners, but not as talented as Marcus Peters and not the difference maker that Marcus Peters is. So I think you'll see them test that other option. And then they've got, you know, they've got a lot of depth, man. They've got a lot of good defensive linemen. The linebackers are solid. The back end, Chuck Clark, those guys. Elliott's really good. They're getting him back this week. So the Ravens, I mean, they're going to, they're on an uptick. They, they started off a little slow. Then they beat Kansas City. They struggle with Detroit, won on that 66-yard field goal. But I'll tell you something about the Ravens. They're very, very difficult, as Kansas City found out, to beat in Monday night, Sunday night games in that stadium. It's not easy to do. The Colts have only won there when Peyton Manning was their quarterback. They've never won there with luck. They haven't won there with, with anybody else. So it's very difficult to win in that stadium, especially at night games. So – it's going to be a tough atmosphere for us, uh, and, it, and that's why it's imperative defensively that we don't get in trouble because then the all that puts the offense in a situation where the crowd's in it, it's loud, you can't hear. We've got two, you know, Fisher's struggled a little bit. Davenport's been horrible, so you've got bad tackles. They're not bad, but one's bad, and the other one's played kind of bad. So the Colts just have to, to find a way to just stay in this game because it's tough in that stadium night games and uh and that with that defense lane once it gets humming as you saw last week against denver i mean they're they're tough they're really tough and they did you know they've done a pretty good job they were very good last year they're they're just i mean as an overall summation of the team they're very well coached in all three phases they don't make a lot of mistakes and they don't beat themselves so you know as far as the offense goes they're going to have to take care of the ball and and really just you know as we said on defense, be disciplined, play smart, don't get penalties, and they can stay in this game. But as far as the Ravens' defense goes, they've got they've got players on all three levels that make plays, and I expect they're going to come out, you know, flying around ready to play because they're they're very aggressive. They're probably the most aggressive defense that we've played so far this year. They'll bring a lot of blitzes. Martindale likes to mix it up. So Carson, I hope has been in the film room this week because you're going to see a lot of you know, mixes, you're going to see, you know, they're going to show coverage and then go cover zero, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, you got to be able to take advantage of that. And, and there's, there's plays to be made there, but you know, you got to be able to know what they're in and know how to block it. And that's been an issue for the Colts. So it's going to be a tough matchup. As we get into our keys to the game for the Colts offense, key number one, get Hines and Taylor involved, keep them both on the field at the same time. And just get both guys a lot of touches. This is the Hines week because we've been going every other week with Hines. He had two touches. He had 11 touches. He had four touches, I want to say, the last three weeks. So it's been a seesaw. you got to get him involved early in the game. Keep him involved. And that does not mean abandon Jonathan Taylor. It means keep both guys on the field. Get both guys involved. They're two of your top playmakers on this offense. You're only shooting yourself in the foot taking one of them off the field or seemingly taking one out of the game plan as we've seen at times this year with both guys. So keep them both on the field, get them both involved. Key number one, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, get them on the field, get them involved. Yeah, we've been beating this drum for weeks. I don't know why they don't do it more. You're right, man. There is no doubt that they're the top two guys offensively for us playmaker-wise. Taylor you know, is elite when he gets in space. He's got elite speed. He makes plays. And then, 
And Hines, you can do so many things with him. So there's no, and we've said this repeatedly, there's no excuse not to have them both on the field. When I, if I'm coaching, whether it's defense or offense, I want my 11 best players on the field. Defense is a little different, but offensively, when you got a guy like Hines that can play wide receiver, he literally can play wide receiver. He can play in the slot. I mean, you can line them up both in the backfield. I mean, there's so many things you can do with them. There's no excuse for them to, to not have more snaps on the field together because it makes it so much more difficult to stop our offense. It's really you're really playing with one hand behind your back when you only have one of them out there because, you know, you're not playing with a full assortment of, of weaponry. So definitely getting those guys. I, I don't even necessarily need them to have like a ton of touches, but just having them out there on the field is going to create problems for that defense. And they're going to have to make decisions. And that will make and that will affect other things like, you know, is Pittman one on one is Pascal one on one. What about the tight ends? I mean, Mo Ali Cox in the red zone. There's like so when you've got those guys on the field, it affects everything else around you. They've got to be able to account for those guys. So I want to see those guys. It's not even obviously I want them to get the ball, but I think having them on, on the field opens it up not only for them them, but for other players. And that's what you want. That's when an offense is at its best, when you've got all those guys on the field and you're able to utilize all the talent that you have. And I just don't think the Colts have done that very well this year. It'd be nice if they could start this week by playing these guys and getting them more involved and having them on the field at the same time, because I think that would open their offense up a lot more. Key number two, make them pay. When they go into cover zero, win your one-on-one matchups, make them pay defensively, get the ball off quick. Key number two, beat them in the one-on-one matchups, Make them pay when they go cover zero. Yeah, and this is a huge week for Carson Wentz when it comes to this stuff because this is he doesn't just go cover zero. They 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 definitely disguise it and then they play it. So he's got to be able to recover zero, get them. I mean, you, I mean, a, a quick screen to the to Pittman, quick screen to Hines. You know, we'll get them out of that kind of defense real quick, especially if you can read it early. I think Carson's kind of struggled with some pre-snap stuff, and I think we were a little spoiled last year with how good Phil was with with the pre-snap reads and the getting the the offensive line into the right blocking schemes and who to pick up and whatnot and what gaps to block and all that stuff. I thought Phil was really, really outstanding in that. And I think Carson's, you know, leaves a little bit to, to be desired in that area, but I think he's getting better. But that's it's pre-snap read, Luke. I mean, that's what that is. Uh, he's got to be able to read that stuff because Martindale, what he does is he disguises everything. He'll show cover zero and then they'll play, you know, they'll drop and, and only rush four, you know, or whatever. So he does a lot of disguise and it's going to be a very interesting chess match between Frank Reich and Wink Martindale as it was last year. I thought Wink Martindale did a great job last year against us uh, and really kind of, you know, I thought outcoached Frank Reich. So Frank's got a chance to, you know, to, to give it back to him. So Frank's got to have Carson prepared for for the looks and the disguises because he's very good at disguising what they're going to do. But as far as the you know specific key, when they're in cover zero, you have to make them pay. That means the wide receivers have to win their one-on-ones, and when they get the ball in their hands, they have to catch it, and then they got to make plays after the catch. And they've got guys that can do it. You've, you've got Pittman, who's really good with the ball once he catches it. Pascal's physical as hell. Mo Alley, those guys are tough with the ball, you know, and then you've got the screen game. So if we're able to, you know, decipher when they're in that cover zero, when they're going to play it, we could have some big plays. But that's up to the coaching staff and Carson Wentz to know when that's going to happen, to be able to read when that's going to happen. And that could be a difference in this game, because if you don't read it correctly and you don't have it blocked correctly, 
Carson could get get hit a ton in this game because they're going to bring blitzes from everywhere. There's going to be pressure from everywhere. This is not a bat. This is not a zone defense. You know, this is an attacking downhill aggressive defense. They're going to try to hit Carson as much as possible, which is why it's so important for us to really, you know, lean on our playmakers, Taylor and Hines, who we mentioned in key one, because you do not want Carson, who's not completely healthy yet, even though he did practice full this week, to have to throw the ball 40 times. You want a balanced offense, keep them off balance with the run and the pass and not allow them to just pin their ears back and attack our quarterback. So there's so many different nuances to what to, to this key, but you know, you've just got to be able to read it, react, and make big plays. And you mentioned Mo Ali Cox. If we could go back to key number one, let's add Mo Ali Cox to key number one. Get him involved and keep him involved because we were begging for it for weeks. Reich finally did it last week. We threw him a couple jump balls. We got him involved. He's a playmaker. He's one of our best red zone targets. This team has struggled mightily in the red zone. It worked last week. Don't abandon it this week. Reich has a tendency to ignore what worked the previous week, the following week. So let's keep him involved in this game because he is a matchup nightmare for pretty much every team because you just don't see guys that are 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, his size, his weight that could jump with him in the red zone. So, And Luke. One thing I wanted to mention, one of his touchdowns was because Hines and Taylor were on the field. They didn't even cover him. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, it, it goes back And the back play to before we, set that up. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it goes back to, you know, the first thing. And you're right. You know, Mo Alley is one of those guys. Like, especially in the red zone, he's got to be on the field. Like, I love Jack Doyle, but in the red zone, Mo Alley's got to be on the field. Yep. No question. And key number three, protect Carson Wentz and protect the football. We have done a great job at one of those two things this year. You could always be better. You always want to turn the ball over zero times. But for the most part, we've done a good job protecting the football this year. And the Ravens, as good as they are defensively and they're 11th in points per game, they've only forced four turnovers, which is one per game. Ideally, you don't want to average that one turnover that they've been forcing. And, of course, you want to turn the ball over zero times on the road Monday Night Football. Last year, the turnover killed us against the Ravens. That scoop and score for Taylor killed us in that game. So you want to do a good job protecting the football, of course. We've done a good job. We had the one fumble from Carson week one. Then we had the shovel pass interception week two. And I think those are our only two. And then the the Hines fumble on special teams last week on the muff punt. I think those are our three turnovers on the year, right, Jason? Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's right. So we That's just right. have the three. So we've only turned the ball over three times, only twice offensively, and they've only forced four defensively. So that's in the Colts' favor, but of course it just takes one play, two plays, three plays to completely F those numbers up. So to stick to that, if we could minimize all turnovers, and if we were able to do that last year, we'd probably win that game. Like if you take away – the Taylor fumble, we probably win that game last year. And to date, knock on wood, it's the only fumble of Taylor's career. So you really want everybody to hold on to the football of this game, of course. But in this key, within this key, we've done a good job there. Where we haven't done a good job is protecting Carson Wentz. And we didn't mention this guy, or maybe you did, but I didn't mention him when we were going through the Ravens defense. We're going to see our buddy Justin Houston in this game. And you know he's going to want a piece of us and a piece of Carson because we didn't bring him back this year so 
And remember what he did to Kansas City, Luke. He Oof, wrecked Kansas City. He did. He, he wrecked Kansas football. City, and he still. We saw it last year. He had he had a three sack game last year, so he has it in spurts. He wasn't consistently that guy, but he had it in spurts. And when he wanted to turn it on, he still had a little dog in him. Great. So this could be one of those games. An extra day off. You're on seven days rest. Going up against a team that said they don't want you anymore. They kicked you to the curb. Not that he had a long history with us, but you never want to be rejected. And if he feels that rejection and you already have tackles that have been struggling, whether it's Davenport or Fisher, we have been weak at the tackle spots. So key number three, a long-winded lead into key number three, protect Carson Wentz, which we've done a very poor job at this year, and protect the football, which we've done a good job at. But this might be one of our most important games of protecting the football because it's a primetime game under the lights, Monday night football and on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. So protect the football, protect Carson Wentz. Yeah. And you made a great point about Houston. I, I feel bad. I, I left him out because he's, he's actually played pretty well for them and it's a great, an absolutely great point. Might be the best point of this whole podcast because you look at, you look at, they've got Awe on one side, side, they got Bowser, they've got, Houston and they're going against basically a trash can at one side and they're I mean let's just keep it 100 Luke every team we play is going to attack that side they're going to line up their best rusher and they're going to attack Davenport all game long so that has to be a a place that gets fixed and by fixed I don't mean Davenport is suddenly going to become good I mean they're going to have to help if they don't help in this game it's going to get ugly, especially if we try to throw it 40 times. And with Frank, you just never know what his game plan is going to be. So that was a great point. They're going to attack our tackles. That is the weak spot of our offensive line without question. Fisher struggled last week, really has struggled since he came back. Davenport is not even uh, – I mean, he's awful. I don't know what else to say. I don't even blame Davenport at this point because he's not getting any help. But as far as this key goes to get into that after that long-winded introduction to the key, I think one leads into the other. You protect Carson, it's easier to protect the football. You don't protect Carson. We saw it in the Tennessee game. He's just going to be throwing ducks all over the field into the ground because he's not going to have any time. And I think some of protecting Carson is on the coaching staff. Some of it's on the offense. Most of it's on the offensive line. And some of it's on Carson just getting into the right play. So all three of those things have to happen for, for them to be able to protect him enough to win this game. Because if they don't, this is a defense, while they've only, you know, I think they've only forced five, four or five turnovers, that's going to change. This is an attacking defense. They're going to hit you. They're going to be physical. They're going to force a ton of turnovers this year. They just haven't yet. And I don't want this to be the week where they get five turnovers. So the Colts, I really think, should lean on the run in this game you know, and check downs again like they have in the last couple games just to get the defense off of them because this is an aggressive defense, the most aggressive that we've seen all year, and all that kind of goes together. Like, you get if your quarterback's getting hit, there's a good chance it's going to lead to something bad. So you want to balance. We want the offense to be balanced. Carson to be able to, you know, to be able to have some time to make some throws like he did last week. He made some really good reads, really good throws last week. It's imperative that they help Davenport, it's imperative that they they get into the right protections because, again, I've mentioned this a few times so far, but it's very important because this is not a defense that just lines up and plays their defense, like kind of like we do. We don't disguise a whole lot. This defense disguises, they, they show blitz, they drop out of it, 
They, you know, they, they show coverage. They bring everybody. It's important. I can't say it enough for Carson to recognize that through his film study, know what the keys are. All offensive linemen should know what the keys are to this game as far as what to read, how to read it, you know, and then what to do. So if they can do those things, really to me, if they can limit the turnovers on offense to zero or one at the most, and they limit the big plays on, on defense, you know, and don't give up big plays, then, then they'll have a chance to win. In this game, that's really all we're looking at. We want to be in the game in the fourth quarter, have a chance to steal it on the road because it's a very good team, very well could be the best team in the in the AFC North, although, you know, Cleveland looks like the best team right now, but Baltimore's own Cleveland's, you know, since they've come back in to the league in, in 1999. So, you know, this is a very good Ravens team, but if we're able to do these key, you know, follow these keys to the game, I think we'll have a good chance to, of being in the game and then have a chance to win. One other thing I wanted to mention, this is, this is not offense or defense. They've got a real weapon. I know Zach Hicks hates, hates kickers, but I'll tell you what, Justin Tucker is a real weapon, man. I mean, when you're kicking 66 yard field goals, I mean, he, I mean, that's he, they're going to get points. So uh, the Colts, you know, there's a lot of keys to this game, but they're, they're going to have to score touchdowns because they're, the, the Ravens are going to score. And really anything within 60 yards is three points almost. So uh, going to be an interesting game. But as far as, you know, what will keep us in the game, I think, you know, not turning it over offensively and protecting Wentz, I think will keep us in this game to the fourth quarter. And that's really all you can ask for against a really good team on the road. It is. And as far as our For the Culture predictions, and it's a new era for the culture predictions because Jason has lifted his curse and he's 4-0 on the year. So whatever Jason picks, guys, put your money on it this week and assume he's going to improve to 5-0. But as far as my prediction, I'm going to pick the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens win this game by three points only because I need to see our offense do it consistently. Last week was great. We were able to score. You're going to have to score in this game. You're going to have to put up probably 23-plus to have a chance to win this game. Last year, our offense was a lot better than it's been so far this year, and we scored 10 points at home against the Baltimore Ravens. 10 points. And we got shut out in the second half. With Phillip Rivers, with a better offensive line, we scored 10 points. The entire game at home. So you're on the road here. It's prime time. You haven't played great offensively collectively this year. You had one good game against the Dolphins when their offense couldn't hold the ball for more than three minutes, a clip in the first three quarters of the game. So you had a lot of opportunities. You had a muff punt. You had a bunch of different things that happened. You had the turnover. You had the Grover Stewart fumble that you were able to recover that put you in great field position. You had a three and out, and then you got a first down because they jumped off sides on the punt, then the muff punt. So you just had so many opportunities last week. You're not going to have all those opportunities this week. You're going up against a fundamentally sound team. You're going up against a well-coached team. You're going up against a special teams coach, head coach in Harbaugh. So they're not going to give you two extra opportunities on special teams. I highly doubt it. Maybe one. Absolutely not two. So if you're punting, you're probably not going to see the offense trot back out there. You're probably going to have the defense come on the field because the Ravens just don't make those type of mistakes the way the Miami Dolphins did last week. So they're not going to beat themselves like that. It was great to get that win. It was great to get our first win of the season. It was great to beat Jacoby. It was great to get a road win. All that was great. But it's a much different animal this week because as great as it was, we had a lot of help. So the Moali Cox touchdown was great. 
that drive doesn't exist if they don't jump off sides. You know what I mean? So I need to see that. I need the offense to be consistent. I need to see two, three weeks in a row where we're able to score 20-plus points. It can't just be a one-time thing, a one-hit wonder. So that's one of my reasons. My other reason is going to be the tackles. That is obviously parlayed with the offense. If the offense doesn't get good tackle play and we don't stop the pass rush, it's going to be very difficult to be consistent, to be able to continue drives, to be able to move the chains on third down. So the tackles have to be able to step up. They have to be able to play. And then defensively, last year, if we could mimic that, I think we win this game. But that's a lot to ask for to hold the Ravens to zero points in the first half or hold them 14 for the game minus the scoop and score on the Jonathan Taylor fumble. So the defense is going to have to step up. They're going to have to hold them to around 20 points, and then the offense is going to have to put up 21-plus, in my opinion, to win this game. Can they do it? Absolutely, yes. Will they do it? I'm going to say no because we just haven't seen it this year consistently enough for me to put my faith into it on the road against a really good team in the Baltimore Ravens and against a really good coach because Reich has been outcoached by bad coaches multiple times over the last two years. You have a borderline, dare I say, a borderline Hall of Fame head coach in John Harbaugh. So that's going to be a tough matchup for us. That extra day of preparation, obviously, for both teams, but I think the better coach gets a leg up when it comes to an extra day of preparation and taking advantage of it and not having to travel. So I think that that's an advantage for the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm going to say Ravens 23-20 in that range, a three-point loss for the Colts. Hopefully I'm wrong. Definitely a path to victory in the six keys to the game that we laid out. And the X factor, like you mentioned, Jason, Justin Tucker is a Hall of Fame caliber kicker. I know Colt fans don't want to hear it, but he could very well be considered the GOAT kicker because of his just natural ability. It's like rings, like when you compare ring, like Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. I think LeBron's more physically gifted and naturally talented, but of course the accolades are with a guy like Michael Jordan with the six rings. And it's the same thing. Vanitari has the rings. He has the big playoff kicks. But just in terms of like pound-for-pound talent and ability, nobody in NFL history has hit from 66. And it's not like he hit from 66 in a blowout or in the first quarter. He hit from 66 with the game on the line. And not tie game, we go to overtime if I miss. We lose this game if I miss. And he hit from 66 yards, which is just mind-boggling to think about. And Jason, that's your favorite word, as we found out last week on the game recap from the hecklers and the trolls in the comment section. That's a a mind-boggling kick, Jason, as I Search Craigslist for a new co-host to replace you with. Oh, man. And now they're really going to want to replace you because your audio sounds awful right now. But, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to say that's an X factor in this game. Justin Tucker and that golden leg of his, he could hit from anywhere. So we have a kicker that struggles to kick from 50. They have a kicker that could kick from 66. That is a 16-yard difference where when their offense gets stalled, it could be three points. When our offense gets stalled 15 yards closer, it might not even be three points. So that's a huge difference in this game. That might be the difference in this game if everything else is equal. And it won't be equal because they do have other advantages in this game as well. So my prediction, Ravens, three points over the Colts, 23 to 20. 
Well, I've got some good news and some bad news as far as my prediction goes. The good news is I don't think Justin Tucker is the reason we lose this game. Uh, the bad news is, for me, it comes down to a couple things. Luke mentioned the tackles. I'll get into that in a second. For me, the matchup to watch is Wink Martindale versus Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. And we saw what Wink did last year as far as his, his coordination of that defense against Phillip Rivers, who is much smarter as far as pre-snap than Carson Wentz is and Frank Reich. This year, uh, it's Carson Wentz and Frank Reich. I think on the road, they're going to throw the kitchen sink at, at Carson Wentz, and I think he's going to be under siege this game. The problem is the Ravens are going to score points. I know everybody expects Fluce's defense to give up, you know, 10 points to every great offense we play, but that's not the, that's not the reality of this league. This league is built on offenses scoring points. They're going to score points. The Ravens to me are probably going to put up 28 points in this game. And so the Colts, can they score more than 28 points on this defense? No, I don't think so. Um, I think they're going to struggle. The Ravens have done a pretty good job against the run. That's the key to our game is running the ball. Then you have to get into a passing situation with the tackles that we have. They are absolutely, they are absolutely going to throw everything at our tackles. They're going to bring two guys from that side. They're going to do all kinds of different things with both of them, both Fisher and Davenport. They are going to attack, attack, attack. I think you're going to see turnovers. I think this game could get away from the Colts, honestly, just because it's on the road and it can vary. Last year we played at home. The momentum, and there was no fans. This year, it's going to be 70,000, 80,000 fans, all Ravens. They hate the Colts there. Um, the momentum very easily could go against the Colts in this game and turn into a, a snowball downhill. I don't want that to happen. I hope I'm wrong. But for me, the difference in this game is just I think Wink Martindale is going to outcoach Frank, and I and I think he's going to outscheme him and out you know be able to to uh, disguise what he does. I don't think you know Wentz is going to be quick enough to pick it up, and I just think it's going to be a long night for the Colts. I think they'll hang in there defensively, but when your offense can't score and they've struggled to score, and you got an attacking defense on the road with seventy thousand people um, against you, it's it's just not a recipe for for a lot of good things. So for me, I think the Ravens win this game by ten or more. Um, I know that's a cr sounds crazy, but I just think this is going to be one of those games where uh, they really just they, they this snowball is going to go down a hill. I mean, you've, you're dealing with a quarterback that's got an injury. That's not an excuse; it's a fact. And you got a you got a, a coordinator on that other side that knows how to attack weaknesses. And we have a, we have a coach that doesn't know how to protect weaknesses. That is not a good matchup for us. I think again. You know, I don't think the defense is going to be lights out. They're going to be missing Rock. They're going to be missing, you know, I think Kari's only, they're going to split time up probably with Kari. Uh, I don't think he's going to play the whole game because he's dealing with an injury. So you're going to see Zendeo out there who actually did a pretty good job last week. But I think the defense will be okay. But you just, you're going to have to score against this team. And I, and then you throw in the Justin Tucker factor at the very, at the, you know, the bare minimum at the end. I mean, it's just – it's they've got so many advantages. I just, I just don't like the Colts in this game. I think it's a tough matchup in every way, and, and I just think that, that the Ravens are the better team right now. Man, Jason, you make me want to change my prediction and make it a little bit wider of a margin, but I'll keep my – maybe I'll go one point higher. I'll go 24-20, three touchdowns and a field goal for the Ravens, and then maybe two touchdowns and two field goals for the Colts. So I'll say – I'll still say 24-20, and hopefully we could see a first-half defense like we saw last year again, which would be great. I highly doubt that, but it would be great. So there you have it. 
our long-winded game preview for week number five already. Week five, Colts, Ravens. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. It's a night game, so expect either a super late game recap, late, late, late Monday night, or early Tuesday morning slash afternoon, depending on when I fall asleep while uploading the podcast and when I wake up. So, guys, enjoy the game, and we'll be back Monday night, Tuesday morning with the game recap right here on the For the Culture Podcast.